This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Kelly and Ramia on AMI-tv, AMI-audio, and on pod. Uh, we're uploading daily on podcasts because we're a daily show here. Weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Kelly McDonald and Ramia Umuthan. Kels, I don't have as many fedoras as you, I don't think. How many fedoras do, do you have, have anyways? No. Do you have one? No, I don't have any. Oh, okay, so you don't have any. Uh, but I was going to do a comparison uh, to toques. I've now started to accumulate, like, a ton of toques. Not in my own doing, um, though. I don't go out and fetch toques, but my mom thinks it's... How many How many of them do you have? Oh, mom's been getting... Yeah, it's like, oh, this is a cute toque. I thought you'd like it. Um, and I'm not really a complainer. So with the toques, I like all kinds do of toques. Do you actually, for real, wear them? Like Yes, I do. Gold? And I switch yeah. them out yeah. often. Like during the winter, my, my toque game is pretty on point. Uh, I think I have like eight. I guess that's not too many, but to me, that's a lot. How many fedoras I mean, do you have? That's a lot, right? I yeah. got rid of some. I believe I'm 32 or 34 Ooh. now. Okay, so I have the quarter of the amount of fedoras you have. I have a few. <laughs> you have and a few some more that, than a few. There's some that are just for running around, doing stuff, because some of them are beat up a bit. I wonder you if you can try to sell any of your fedoras, like the ones that are kind of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a Kelly McDonald angle, or... Just, you know, because it's a rare edition or something. I, I'm waiting to see what you're going to say because I know what I'd say. I, no, I, I don't know, man. Like, uh, no, you don't, I don't think anybody would buy your I don't think I'd be buying people's fedora. hats or anything like no, that. No, but you're I, selling I just, it to see if other people would buy it. Just try to see. So if I went Facebook out and bought a new one and just held it in my hands and went on to Facebook, it's a Kelly McDonald you know, fedora. Okay, but <laughs> one I've worn sitting here. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, <laughs> hey. I, no, but then for the next so. post, don't do that. You know, just say, hey, rare fedora, and I don't yeah. know. No, that would I, I, I'll go buy, like, 10 of them and sell them like that then. Just they won't even be put on. Like that, say, the these mass are selling? Just, these are gently broken. Gently used. Ugh. Very gently uh, broken. And only during the summer. Anyway, let's bring on Young Wang. She's a writer, a blogger, and an advocate, and she's going to tell us a little bit about some things going on in her life lately. Young, uh... Hi, I'm Yang Wang. I'm a blogger, disability advocate, and immigrant social innovator. Join me to explore challenges and changes in our community on Kelly and Remia. Young, we want to get right into it because we only chat with you monthly, and you've had an encounter uh, recently last month at a Toronto subway station that hasn't left you in uh, the greatest of spirits. So tell us what's happened and then we can go through what's been going on since then for you. Yes. So on the evening of December 15th, um, the organization East and West Learning Connections and Running collaborated with uh, uh, our National Poet Laureate, George Elliott Clark, and the League of Canadian Poets and through a poetry music event at the uh, Canadian Music Center. Uh, it's it's on uh, St. Joseph Street, downtown. Mm-hmm. And uh, my eldest son, Eric and I, went there by TTC. Uh, Eric worked as a volunteer bartender assistant that evening. 
So we left uh, quite late after he helped uh, cleaning up. So it, it was right. around 11 o'clock in the evening. And when we arrived at uh, Wellington Station on the way back, uh, I couldn't find my CNIB card and Presto card, but I remembered I moved them from my jacket to a backpack when uh, after I entered the room. So I thought, oh, I must have lost them uh, in the uh, in the Canadian uh, Music Center. Um, because I walked slowly. So I asked Eric to, you know, you go there to check, uh, get the cars here. Uh, and I waited for him inside the entrance all by myself. Uh, so it was a it was a small indoor space and uh, was quite brightly lit um, and was quiet. Nobody else around me there. Um, then a man came in. Um, he was talking loud, but I didn't pay attention to him because I thought he was talking to a phone. Uh, but then he noticed me and he came up and asked, oh, would you mind if I ask, what is your nationality? Well, I didn't feel very comfortable by mm. this question, but I thought it, it would be impolite, you know, not to answer questions. So I just said, oh, Asian. And he, he said, oh, Asian, Red Army. Then they continue, you know, to say a lot of racist comments, uh, things like Asians, they're all evil, you know, something like that. And I didn't know what to say, but I was scared. And he stayed there mm. just in front of me, one to two meters away and kept talking like that. And nobody was around us. I, I was scared. Um, I, I started, you know, automatically, I started to fold my white can and uh, held it tightly in my hand. Uh, so, oh, I might use it as a self-defense weapon if I right. had to. You bet. Yeah, because I I learned a little bit the self-defense uh, technique uh, at CNIV before. But uh, at the same time, I was thinking, Oh, would it work? Oh, would it even make the situation worse if I really yeah. use it? Uh, well, I, I never um, had any chance to practice it before. And also, which way would be safer for me to stay here inside? Uh, the space is small, but brightly lit. Uh, or should I search for the entrance to, you know, go out onto the street? But it was dark outside and there might not be so many people on the street as well so all right. these thoughts you know just running through my mind i um and he's just continuing to give you a barrage work. of insults uh pardon me and he's just continuing to go on and on insulting you yeah he he just you know say those things and why I, you know, I was thinking, how am I gonna get out of this situation? Of this. I, I didn't know. Uh, and yeah, because I, I couldn't see, right? It, it gives mm -hmm. really, you know, some disadvantage. And whatever at, you at do, point, you know, it could it could inflame it worse, or the person may have enough to, oh, all right, I guess I'm done here. You know, whether you move away or step aside and say, you know, okay, I'm sorry you feel that way. You, you don't know, the, you have no idea 
what their intention is and what's in their hand, anything. Right, I, I couldn't, yeah, I, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and nobody, but at this point, some people came uh, from the platform and also some people, you know, enter, uh, enter the room and I decided to ask for help. So I, I called to them, excuse me, but nobody stopped to answer. Oh, later when I, when I, you know, told my friends about this, my friend said, oh, you should be more uh, explicit. You should say, excuse me, uh, I need your help. But uh, I, I, I think um, at the time I didn't want to say so, uh, you know, manifesting things. Cause I, I thought, oh, uh, I didn't want the man to know I was scared. And also, um, I was afraid if I say, oh, I need your help, but nobody, you know, helped, which was the case, then afterwards, would the man be more, even more encouraged uh, to, to, to hurt me? Um, so it, it was really, but, and my friend said, oh, but he must already knew you were scared anyways. And I, I thought my friend was was uh, right because uh, afterwards, you know, after all these people left, and the space, you know, was left with the man me alone again, I, um, I, you know, I felt like I need to say something to break the silence. I didn't know what to say, so I just say take care because I thought uh, he probably had some mental health issue. And the man said, oh, take care. You must be scared. You, you're blind. You cannot see. Is this mm. a scary situation for you? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, the more you talk like that, you know, the, the more scared I, I felt. But I, mm. I try not to show that. Um, but it's really devastating. Yeah. But uh, fortunately, nothing happened at last. As I think he left for the platform later, um, but I was not aware because I couldn't see where, where he went. Uh, then after a while, Eric came back. <laughs> so, and all the way back that even with Eric, I found myself like highly alert to the surroundings. Yeah. I like if, Like when people talked about something, if it's not absolutely conventional or <laughs> quiet, I, I would feel uh, really scared because uh, the people like just beside me on, on the train, someone said, oh, the hardship I experienced uh, were far more than what you had. And, you know, they would just have had some yeah. conversation, but yeah. that kind of conversation made me feel nervous, you know? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I, when I waited on the platform, I was thinking, oh, I need to stay away from the track. Like, what yeah. if somebody from behind pushed me? So, you know, you had a lot of, a lot of, you know, sauce there. Well, uh, cause I, I, I saw that I was a little bit traumatized. Of course, of course you were understandably so. And especially because you've, if you've gone years using public transportation 
and not mm -hmm. had uh, scarring experiences, if you will, um, especially violent ones or where you felt like your safety was threatened and you're alone and isolated and all these different things. If you never experienced that, that could change in one night because of this one experience. Exactly, exactly. Because before, all my experience was quite good. Like the mm -hmm. people I met on TTC, subway station, they were usually quite friendly and many of them would offer to help. So that positive experience actually often uh, encouraged me to come out uh, to have an active social life. But uh, yeah, that, that evening changed me a little bit, but, but I hope it, it could uh, go away as quickly as possible. I, I mm -hmm. wish, um, yeah, I, I remember I had some fears to come out to walk even in my neighborhood in 2020 when uh, the anti-Asian racism, you know, the, those hate incidents occurred in Canada and, and in the U.S., uh, you, you heard the news reports and I felt, you know, some unsafe to walk outside, but uh, now I'm okay. I, I you know, it, 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 it's gone. So I hope yeah. this little trauma can, can, can go away. Yeah, it's unfortunate yeah, but, because these things can happen anywhere, right? At a workplace, waiting in line right. for groceries, in transit. And I think we have to put it in context. Um, are they going to happen? Are they scary? You're darn right there. I don't care who you are. Um, and, and even for the people, as you said, do I scream out, I need help? Do I really need help? This person struggling on, the, on their own, obviously. Um, maybe they just want to vent. But that's not what I've been put on the planet here to do is take people's, people's abuse. But to come up with the right methodology for any given situation, you can't. Like, you don't know. And the next, you think you have it in hand. Well, I know not to inflame the person or whatever. I have got a bit of self-defense with my cane and all that. But you really never know what's going to happen. And all you can do is do the best you can in the moment, but not want to be shaken to where you can't function. Like mm. you said, you had those fears before um, and you got past that. I remember being afraid of, of the subway at one point because there was someone going around Toronto shoving people in front of trains. And the only thing I could do, yeah. and it, I, it dawned on me, is don't stand right next to the tracks, which for me is what I've always liked to do because when a train comes in, it's easier to find the darn door. Right, right. But I had to change that mm -hmm. practice a little bit, but also anchor myself yeah. and not to be so paranoid that anyone coming up, good morning, sir, ah, you know, like that kind of thing. It'd scare me. And, but you do have to think about it. The anxieties mm -hmm. that come with these experiences, you know, it's e perhaps easy to just be like, okay, well, hopefully it goes away or, you know, nothing else has happened. So maybe it's not warranted, but it's just not the case. And especially it's life experience, it is. And because of our vulnerabilities uh, of as being people with disabilities as not having much other choice, especially right. Like I can't just get in my own car in my own privacy and, and oh, safety and get out there. Right. Like that's just and not an option can for be a me. Problem. You stop for a light, someone can jump in your car and of hurt course, you. But like so you, you that just, paranoia so can things. get, really overwhelming and the anxiety yeah. can really get overwhelming but young the the positive i guess or the relatability is that we can understand like we can understand what you're going through i yes. can understand especially from um and a minority point of view as well so exactly. there's a lot of benefits to you having shared this with us and thank you for doing that
Sure, exactly. Because it really made me uh, feel for the people, yes. other people uh, whose you know safety is threatened just because of their origin or race in or color, you or know, religion, religious uh, beliefs. Like yeah, the, the Jewish students on campus right now, or the Muslims after nine one one. Like I've. I, I feel for them because I remember yeah. that that fears on my mind. That's it's so real. Yeah, yeah. The vulnerables really need well, yeah. people, and to it can happen to anybody. To, yeah, it? protect like, you their know, I'm, I, I know I'm a male, but I'm a big black male who can easily be deemed mm -hmm. as threatening in some way too. And I can always get that feeling from people. They're uncomfortable, or they think negative mm -hmm. thing. So I think we all have that. And, and in a very diverse community like Toronto, um, you, you, unfortunately, where you think, oh, maybe it's not going to be here. Maybe it's rural, oh. small town, so and so. Mm -hmm. uh, no, don't don't be so quick no. to point. There's also the freedom of expression part of it, too. And people are out there and they might be spitting whatever kinds of stuff they want to just because they can. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you so much, Young. I appreciate, as always, the vulnerable conversations you're willing to have on the show. And we'll chat with you next month. Thank you. Bye for now. Young Wong joins us on the third Tuesday of every month. That's when we catch her. Uh, she's a blogger, an advocate, of course, and she's got a lot of stories to tell us and to debrief about afterwards. We have our Voices segment on the third Tuesday of every month also. That's after the break. Today, Know Your Rights contributor Danielle McLaughlin is joining us to talk a little bit about her career and everything that she's been up to for the last however many decades. We'll be right back. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.